back to 24 minutes of A24, the podcast that takes a look at the A24 library 24 minutes at a time. I'm Ethan Simmons. And I'm Ben Lawhorn. This week on the pod, we are connecting with the earth and pondering our choices as we talk about Savannah Leaf's directorial debut, Earth Mama. An intimate coming-of-age story of a pregnant single mother who embraces her Bay Area community as she determines the fate of her family. Uh, As is the case with the last few weeks of the pod, we just want to note that this podcast was recorded and created during the 2023 WGA and SAG After Strikes. Um, Without the labor of the writers and the actors that are currently on strike, the movies that we are covering right now would not exist and would not be able to be covered um, luckily, uh, A24 has a brain and a heart and they have paid yeah. their writers and their producers and their movie makers um, what they deserve. So we can we can talk about A24 all we want, uh, which is super exciting. Um, the day that we're actually recording this is day number 100 of the WGA strike, which matches the number of days from the 2007 strike. So it will now be officially longer than that strike. Um, and there's not really an end in sight. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed that gets resolved quickly. But just an important note here. Um, second note, we're going to be spoiling Earth Mama, the new movie mm-hmm. from A24. Um, it did come out this year in 2023. Um, we're a little late on the ball to Earth Mama. But that's because it's A24. And we never know how they're going to release things. Um, <laughs> but, we, but we finally saw it. And uh, we have another directorial debut, Ben. Super. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they just keep stacking up, you know, (laughs) broken record here, but screen drafts, we're ready for you. Like, let's make this happen. Um, No, I think they do a great job of giving some of these directors like their, their debut. And this is a great platform for them. A24 knows how to maybe not release a movie (laughs) nationwide, (laughs) you know, when we think it's going to, but I think they do a good job of supporting the creatives. And um, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this movie. Absolutely. Speaking of uh, releasing movies, I've got two pieces of A24 housekeeping, A24 news that we can uh, talk about real quick before we we get into Earth Mama. Um, I will just mention quickly, Medusa Deluxe is a new movie from A24. It's coming out um, in select theaters and on VOD everywhere on August 11th. We are going to be covering that movie on August 18th. So one week after it releases, um, the like theoretically everywhere because you can just get it on VOD. Um, mm. so yeah, go watch that movie. We're gonna be we're gonna be talking about it. Watch it. Join our conversation. But it is pretty exciting because Earth Mama was not this. It was like select theaters, and then good luck trying to find it after yeah. that. We don't know. This one today, the day we're recording, or I, I think maybe a couple of days ago, got an an announcement that was like. It's going to be on VOD on August 11th and select theaters nationwide, which is really exciting and really encouraging. And I think that's like kind of the first time A24 has done that, if I'm not mistaken, which is pretty cool. Yeah. It, I mean, obviously it was very convenient for us uh, that we were able to, to watch. <laughs> they this probably now. knew we had the pod. They were like, we got to help these guys out. Yeah, they're like, Ben has not been able to see a movie without distractions for like three <laughs> months. So let's, let's let him watch it at home because then no one can annoy him there. So, right. um, yeah, I mean, I'm super stoked about it. Same with like Medusa Deluxe. It's going to be that that trailer looks great. And I'm excited to talk about that next week. I hope people will at least rent it, you know, check it out and uh, join us for that episode. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. I, I don't think either of us know a whole lot about it, except for like the one trailer that's come out, which yeah. is a genuinely 
um, enthralling to me because mm-hmm. the, the, the less that I know about a murder mystery set in the world of fashion, the better, because I think that is going to be a really fun movie. Um, second piece of housekeeping, talk to me. Now, we talked about this movie uh, last week on the pod. Uh, yeah. we, we covered it pretty soon after it came out. We had Jamie Girac on the pod, uh, talked to her about it, talked about hopefully the potential of getting the hand as a piece of merch and, and how we feel about the uh, A24 horror hierarchy. Um, I'm sure you haven't said that since the pod, Ben. <laughs> never again. Never again. Um, and soon after our episode came out, A24 officially announced on the 8th that we're getting a sequel, um, yeah. which is insane to me. So I have a couple of questions for you. I have a couple of thoughts. Uh, here's what we know so far. Rumor is that, that Raka Raka, the Filippo uh, brothers, have already shot a prequel based on the opening scene. That is what mm-hmm. they have said. That is like word on the street of what this quote unquote sequel might be. Um, I, wanna st- I just, I just want to ask you, are you happy with this announcement? Do, do you want a sequel? We, we briefly talked about it on the pod, but how are you feeling right now? I'm excited. I mean, like you said, we we all kind of spit like our ideas of what a sequel could be. So I'm very curious to see where it goes. Um, you know, again, I know I said my example is the hand is Benoit Blanc. Like, let's just make that the only <laughs> thing that carries it. over, you know, because I think it could be a lot of fun. Like, obviously, like Sophie Wilde, her performance was wonderful. And I'm happy to see her on screen, whatever she does next. But I think it could be fun. Just like, let's just do a whole new story. But like with the same element here. We've mm-hmm. established what it can do, so let's see it with other people. But I'll be there either way. I'm ready. I'm ready to check it out. Also, A24 sell those hands, man. I I got money burning a hole in my pocket. Like I'm ready to ready. buy that hand. Let's go. I want to buy that hand. The announcement <laughs> came out really soon after the first movie. Yeah. I it's encouraging. It's really encouraging because I feel like uh and I and I tweeted this and I've been kind of pondering this. I feel like this is very much in the vein of Ty West and, mm-hmm. and X and Pearl, right? X came out. The post-credit, post-credit scene for X was basically a teaser for Pearl, and Ty a West shock came out. too, for all of us. Like, we had no I, idea. I, exactly. And came out basically, like, days after the movie came out, was like, yeah, we shot a prequel the same time, and hopefully A24, like, finances or, like, buys it from us, and we can release it. And of course they did. And, and I, I believe that Pearl is, is better than X, um, which, you know, is really exciting for directors. And it kind of sets this really fascinating precedent for newcomers to horror um, that like Raka Raka, they made this and they were like, we believe in our, our idea and our lore and our story of original horror so much that we want to shoot a prequel at the same time. And if this one goes well, hopefully that one can get a release and can mm-hmm. you know also be picked up by A24 or whatever studio was going to buy it out of Sundance. Um, so I think it is really exciting. And I think A24 is setting a really fun precedent for horror to say, like, if you have a great original idea, like we just we will trust you and you can just mm-hmm. run with it and we can make some really exciting releases. Do, this strikes me as an announcement slated for like a a horror you know october release time do you do you get that vibe at all because we're still we're in the beginning of august here i'm just obviously we don't know how much is done on the prequel we don't know if they have it finished or like how much to go or or how much they're going to market it or whatever but it's a very fast announcement and all it says is coming soon 
Yeah, I'm I'm very curious how much of this has been done because it is an interesting thing that A24 announced it so soon. Like, did they really announce this just based off the Philippu brothers being like, oh yeah, we'd love to do a sequel. Like, and they're like, okay, yeah. great, you can do it. But it still feels like that's such a quick announcement, you know, to put that out like officially on their Twitter and stuff like that. So it's like, is there more to this than we know? Or is this really just a, we're going to ride this wave and just like let people know, like, we believe in it. You guys have made this the second best since Hereditary for an opening weekend. So we're just going to show our support behind these guys be like, yeah, sequel, greenlit, like, let's make it happen. So I don't know. Like I could totally see them being like in theaters, October 20th, you know, like, yeah, hell, yeah let's do it. Okay. This is the right when the haunted mansion should have been put out. So this is perfect. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, let's watch talk to me. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy at the support. A 24 is showing once again, it's creative. So it's like, cool. You guys proved yourself. Let's run it back. Yeah. It just strikes me as there's probably a lot more in the, in the barrel than we think. And, um, I wonder if, like, from an A24 perspective, they talked to these guys and they were like, "We love, we love this movie. Um, mm-hmm. What, what can we do with it? Where, where are we gonna go? Um, how can we cultivate your ideas and and maybe go from there?" Um, so I, I love that. Um, yeah, I think an October release would would really be exciting. Obviously, it had to get done and and marketed and and everything by then. Do you think? They're gonna are they gonna do the number two? Are they gonna do talk to me? Or is that mm-hmm. too is that like out like what do you think? I don't know. There's so many ways it could <laughs> go with this title, you know. Does it go with like dumb and dumber two with the T O O at the end, you know? Or <laughs> right. is it just like talk to me too? Like to talk to me. Like who knows? There's so many ways it could go. But I mean, it seems like it's just it's right there, right? Talk to me. Like yeah. it feels like it's the way to go. Feels like it's the way to go. I, I'd be a little disappointed. I feel like a lot of people might be disappointed if they don't go that route, especially considering like the A24 logo is definitely one of the scariest ones yet. And it, the hand forms into a two. And I feel like you could bake that into yeah. the movie. So it seems like a given, but really exciting. I love the uh, idea that, that we're getting a, a sequel prequel. I think that's really fun. And of course, we, we will be seated. We will be covering it. We'll be talking about it. And I'm sure that we will be greatly enjoying it, which is really fun. Yeah, uh, I, I just want to say one thing. Sorry, I've been watching some behind the scenes stuff and some interviews with them. It blows my mind that like the first draft of the script, that the hand wasn't even in it at all. Like oh, that came shit. about on the Seriously? second draft. Yeah. And then the literal hand didn't show up till the first day of shooting. Like they oh, got wow. it the day they were shooting because they were like trying to figure out which like they said they had somewhere the handles like open like this. and They had to figure out like how to position it. And then like the one that's in the movie showed up the day we shot that scene. Like it just got there that day. And like movies are crazy, man. It's nuts. It's <laughs> like what you can make just in a few weeks. And these guys are running gun. Like I watched some of their YouTube stuff and like, you know, the, the humor in it is kind of whatever, but you could tell the skill set that they were building and how that translated over into like feature filmmaking. So I'm super stoked. You know, we didn't know what their next thing would be and now we do. And I don't know, there's no reason to have any doubt in them. A hundred percent agree. hundred percent. And they are, they are wild. I know you sent me a video about them and um, kind of their, their expedition and their odyssey toward making this movie and selling it at Sundance. And I was like halfway through the video and I, and I texted you this and I was like, I kind of want to make movies. Like I, yeah. I they, these guys are kind of like really uh, telling me that I need to go do this. Um, and they're really some fascinating guys. 
I, if we're getting a prequel, I'm really interested to see if it is like a direct prequel mm. to that opening scene. And if we back it up and see how the brother got to that stage, right? Because we, mm. we join at what I assume would be kind of a kick-ass mic drop of like, this is the final scene of the first movie. Of course, yeah. that, that might not work for everybody and that just might not work, period. I'm not a movie writer, but like, I, if that happened, if I was sitting in the theater and I saw this big story and that was the final scene, I would be like, oh, fuck, that's the first scene of the next movie. That's insane. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think that would be really cool if it was like absolutely tied to that. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, last note on Talk to Me before we talk about Earth Mama, um, shout out um, a, a friend of, of mine, a friend of my friend's, her name is Jerusha. If if she's listening, she listened to the Talk to Me episode, um, and she just recently traveled uh, back from Portland, Oregon to Australia, and wanted to let us know that we mentioned the bus scene, right? Of like, mm-hmm. how come they knew he would be at the bus? And like, that's kind of strange. Um, so I guess nighttime communal transportation is a very big thing in Australia because of all the kangaroos on the road. So oh. it is not out of line that they would just be like oh, he's going to be at the bus stop because they would know like that's how he travels at night. So, uh, Jerusha, shout out. Thanks for the, uh, the info and the, yeah. you know, the, the, the native information. I appreciate that. And, uh, checks out. I, I, you know, more respect for the movie. I like it. Yeah. That's really yeah. fun to know. Pretty cool stuff. All right. Let's talk about earth mama. This is the, the new movie that we are talking about. Um, I just finished watching it today and I finished watching it at work. And all I'll say to start, at least from my perspective, don't watch this in a public place unless you're okay with people <laughs> watching you start to weep. Um, that, yeah. that would be my my two cents. Uh, ben, what what did you think of Earth Mama overall? I mean, I'm I'm with you. I this is a cry at your own risk kind of movie, you know, like depending yeah. <laughs> on where you're gonna watch this. Uh, Man, I thought this movie was beautiful. Like gorgeous movie. Even just like compositionally, like the way they were framing these shots and just like some of the stuff that we got to look at was just like it was eye candy, you know, but it mm-hmm. wasn't it was not oversaturated. It was not meant to like pop or anything like that, but it was just like I feel like the the best word for this movie in my opinion is just intimate. Like it's a very intimate movie. Like it's a very like solitary story. And A twenty four has shown this before. Um, you know, speaking about crying in public. You know, like it felt like there were shades of After Sun here, where it's just yep, kind of yep. like we're gonna hang out with this person here, or in After Sun's case, like these two people. But like we're not gonna do anything over the top, really. Like it's almost just kind of like a day in the life of kind of situation. Um, we're just like, we're going to go to their work with them and we're just going to show like what they're listening to these conversations as like a pregnant woman who's now, you know, at this like photo place and these other people are celebrating their families and like what's going through her mind and, you know, the, the visitation with her kids and how much time she gets there and how if she's like late, her daughter's just like going to shut her out, which is understandable, you know, kids are kids and they're going to have their emotions as well. So I just, I loved how intimate and just like kind of delicate this movie was. Um, I think the performances were wonderful. We got a lot of, a lot of great performances in here. And I don't, I just don't know. I, I think what I'll take away from this is just the beauty of it all. Like, you know, it's just, I don't know. I like a subtle shot, you know, and I like a, a long shot and we got some of those, like there's one that I'll never forget. And it's just, 
her sitting in the woods and she's like dead center, like on the lower part of the frame. And we just like a very slow pan out. It's like, man, this is an amazing shot, you know? And it's not the kind of, it, I mean, it's definitely the Bay area, but it's not necessarily, I think what people think of, you know, as someone who grew up, you know, about 40 minutes outside the Bay area in Sonoma County, like it's, it's not something I would think of. Like it took me a while actually in this movie until they start talking about like Nevada and some of these cities, like where is yeah. this exactly? Because it's, it's kind of just like open to interpretation. It feels like for a while, but then, you know, you kind of understand and get some placement there, but we get to see so many different sides of it from the beach to the forest, to the city. And, you know, it's like the Bay area has all that stuff to offer. So I think they did a nice job. Um, you know, again, like one of our favorite a 24 movies, last black man in San Francisco, they yeah. showed that city in a completely different way but both are very accurate and reflective of the area. So I think they captured it all really nicely. I think the story was great. It was like small. It was just like so personal. And I don't know. I I didn't know what to expect going into it, but I'm super glad that we watched this movie. I thought it was beautiful. Intimate is the absolute perfect word to describe this movie. I feel like it is, uh, deceptively simple because it is really just just following one woman and and her journey and her daily life like you mentioned trying to go to work trying to see her kids trying to uh, tackle having a new baby on the way and and what that means for her life um but it is just like devastatingly effective at what it does i think um everything about this works in harmony with um the goal that it is it is trying to display and that it, you know um it is not always the easiest decision to love other people or to like look out for other people or to break the um you know cyclical nature of like a broken system that um is broken for a reason right so i think that is some really heavy um thematic topics that it does tackle in a very subtle way and you can kind of peel away what you want, which I think is is really effective in this case because um, it doesn't uh, entrench you into like a very, very deep level of that stuff. Although it does use that as a grounding nature to like, you know, kind of uh, push the movie forward. Uh, I think that there are some really just gorgeous, beautiful shots in this movie. I think the score is pretty excellent. And like you said, directorial debut, um, we talk about director debuts on on here all the time. Earth Mama um is is stunning. And and I really believe and I wrote this in my letterbox review, this is probably so far at least in the year and we're in, we're in August is going to be the most underrated A24 release of the year in my opinion. Yeah. Um I don't know a lot of people that have seen it. I don't know um anybody that's really talking about it. Uh and it I know it came out a while ago, but still it is a new release for 2023 and I think um it is absolutely worth watching every single second and it does some really effective and powerful storytelling by just letting us listen to other people's conversations that are not our main characters and not mm-hmm. um you know not hers not gia's to to tell really uh so yeah I, I love this movie i think it's really um a tough movie to watch i think it is like you said a kind of a cry at your own risk situation yeah. but i think it's it's great and it's it's really impressive the story that is told uh let's do true cinema so we can walk through this movie and we can start kind of dissecting it a little bit um we'll kind of 
pick some out here and then we can kind of go uh maybe go into some more detail if necessary or as we see fit um i'll kind of start with the first time that that gia our main character um visits her son and daughter um mm-hmm. and what i think is really interesting about this movie is that we're not really set up in a very um uh clear fashion as to like where we are or what we're doing or why we're you know, visiting our kids. I think as an audience member, you kind of have to deduce what is going on and what system Gia finds herself in, which I do think is part of the, um, part of like the effective struggle of this movie is that it is, um, it does make you do the work on that front. And I think that, um, kind of coincides with like the theme and the mess, the message of like, this is just a difficult situation all the way around. And like, it's just like not one you might want to be in. And that is what it is. So she she visits her son and uh, her her daughter, um, and specifically her daughter Shayna, uh, won't talk to her. Is just ignoring her. And as a father of two small girls, I was like, this is like minutes into the movie, and I was like, fuck, we're gonna. This is gonna be a tough watch. <laughs> this is gonna be brutal. And it was. And that's that's just like hard to see, because Gia is visiting her children which we find out for, for one hour a week in a supervised setting through the state. Um, and those are her visitation rights and her daughter just shut her out. And on it, honestly, it's just pretty fucking brutal. It really is. And I think you made a good point that this movie just is kind of like, here's where we are catch up, you know, like we're not going to hold your hand through it. And that's like a lot of what Gia has to go through this whole movie. Just like, Right. These are the cards you've been dealt. This is where we're at. So we're not going to cut you any slack. This is just how it goes. And, and we get that, you know, in some of those, you know, meetings that she has where people are like, well, can you work more hours? She's like, well, no, not with all the classes you're making me go to. Like, there's mm-hmm. just so much stuff I have to do. So, you know, there's only so many hours in the day and still got to have a life and all that kind of stuff. So I think this was a great, you know, beginning to kind of let us know okay, sometimes you run into traffic and sometimes your kids don't understand that stuff. You know, they're just going to be like, well, you're late. That's all I know. And that's, that's how it works for them. And it's just like, you know, you could just feel the heartbreak for GX. It's like, we later learn like she only gets one hour once a week and she just got iced out by her daughter for that one hour. It's like, Oh, that'd be so heartbreaking to know. Like, you know what I mean? To go like 14 days without uh, any communication with your daughter. Like, Oh, that's like, that's just gotta be so rough. So a great way to set the tone. I think. Yeah. I can't even, I I literally just, I can't imagine it uh, to be honest. And, and you know, one of the, the main driving forces of this movie is the fact that Gia is pregnant and she's getting ready to have a third child. uh, And, she is kind of struck with this um, kind of, you know, it's mentioned in the movie, like this, this religious aspect or like the spiritual aspect of like what you feel um, needs to be done or what you feel in your life for those around you. Um, she's kind of struck with this, like, uh, I don't know, like this, this need to think about breaking the cycle that she's in. And, and that is kind of what we see throughout and hear from a lot of her friends and family and people that she sets up in photographs and things like that of like being in a home broke these people. And like, and Mm -hmm. really that is a track that is inescapable. And even once they become an adult, even once they uh, own their own lives. And so Gia's met with this burden of like, do I keep this kid and, and have uh, child protective services 
take them away from me and 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 go through the same thing that I'm going through with Shayna, her her daughter, mm-hmm. and then Trey, her son, that's a little older. Um, or you know, does she uh offer it up for adoption? And that's that's a really big thing, and we'll get into that and talk about that because there's some very pivotal moments with that. Uh, but I think that is a really really well done like long theme and long idea that perpetuates the film it's not just like one section or one act like that is what we're dealing with throughout the entire thing like you mentioned while also dealing with everything else which is it just seems impossible nearly next up i have the uh this therapy like class session about mothers this is kind of the first time that we use this narrative device of um other people that are in these classes that gia is having to take and we kind of find out that that Gia does come from a background of substance abuse and uh, addiction, and that's why she's in these classes, and her children were taken from her and now are with the state. Uh, and we hear these stories from other mothers of how, you know, to, <laughs> to, to quote succession of, like, does the poison drip through? And, like, mm-hmm. the, the poison drips through. And that is, uh, regardless of if you try to make it stop, it will still drip which is really powerful stuff. And I love, again, that we hear from all of these other people that are going through a very similar situation as Gia because it just makes you feel that much worse for what Gia is going through of like, holy shit, like a lot of people are going through this and that's really hard. Yeah, I I mean, this comes from later in the movie, but it's the same kind of session. And there's one woman who says something along the lines of just like how mad she was at her mom for doing her best with what she had. And that she realizes that she's now doing the same thing to her kids and just how hard that is. And it's like, yeah, some, some of this is just cyclical because that's the way the system is set up. You know, it's like once you're down, you're staying down and that's super unfortunate and just like sad, you know, and we were kind of exposed to a lot of that kind of stuff in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is super sad stuff. Next one on the list, setting up the girl uh, for some photos in a dress, very beautiful dress, very intimate scene of her just like fixing her dress and going around and and telling her she looks nice. Um, and then, dude, we get this Dominic Fike fucking jump scare, brother. I was like, oh, yeah. that's that's our boy. That's Dominic Fike. <laughs> dude, that threw me off. I was like, is that Euphoria Kid? <laughs> is that like, is he gonna bust out his guitar and sing for five minutes right now? Like, what's about to <laughs> We're happen? We taking a musical break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, what's going on? It took me a sec. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's who it is because I don't think there's many people that look like him. But is that him? Um, but yeah, it is indeed Dominic Fike. Just. Showing up out of nowhere. We got like, what, like four minutes of him or something throughout the movie. So yeah, yeah, it was a surprise. Handful of lines from our boy, which uh, was, you know, I, I thought he, I thought he fit well. I thought it worked. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. I, I do think in, in this type of a case, it's a directorial debut with an unknown cast from a pretty unknown director. Uh, and seeing Dominic Fike does lend that extra little bit of like legitimacy to it of like, mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Like, I know who that guy is. Like, uh, you know, people like they were able to get him for this movie, which I, which I think is, is pretty cool. Um, and you know, besides that point, again, I think this is a pretty intimate moment that, that works really well just to kind of figure out like how Gia compartmentalizes like her life at work and her life at home, um, and her life with CPS and these other things. And I believe like woven into this is where Gia has to ask her boss for like, a $100 advance because yeah. she, she doesn't want her new baby coming out into the world with no clothes. And I was just like, I was just fucking hit with that. And mm-hmm. I was like, damn, damn, like that is so tough. And like, 
it's not necessarily even designed to be like that kind of moment that's a gut punch. It's just part of her life and it and it happens and it it's nuanced and intimate and then we just move on. But it's like, oh wow. That like that's just how Gia has to live. She just has to has to figure this out and like move on to the next thing is is really hard. Yeah, and that's one thing this movie does really well with these kind of scenes is we don't see the conclusion or the resolution of the scene. Right, right. Like we just see the boss just kind of look at her and then that then we cut and it's like did she get it? Did she not? Like, we don't, we don't know, but it's just like that, like whether or not she got it isn't necessarily as important as the fact that she had to even ask, like, that's the message that we're getting across here. So I think it, yeah, there, there isn't, they're not playing for your emotions here. Mm-hmm. Like they're just telling a pretty straightforward story, but your emotions are going to be felt. I, I think, you know, throughout the movie. And that is one thing that does work really well for me in this movie is that it doesn't, feel manipulative like mm-hmm. just at all just like whatsoever it's we're not going for emotional moments we're we're just explaining this life this very real life that a lot of people live um and and we're not trying to like draw things out of the audience so i think that works well uh, next on the list uh gia stealing diapers from someone at the park my heart sunk for her when she did it and i was like oh man well at least she can like walk away and get away with it and like it's just on her conscience i get it like she has to do what she has to do um but you know kind of not really she gets called out and people start yelling at her and and see her do it and then she has to hop in her car and you know take a moment to live with what action she just did mm-hmm. uh and and that is a is a really short but a really tough scene to watch but also you know it's it's hard not to feel um kind of encouraged by her to be like she's fucking trying She's trying yeah. her hardest to like give her child maybe what she didn't have or what she's afraid that her child might not have. She's really trying her hardest. Like you mentioned in that scene of like, you know, doing the most with what you have. Uh, and she's just at the point where even if she did get that hundred dollar advance, she can't afford diapers. And so we got a jack from someone at the park, uh, which, you know, I, I'm glad that I never found myself in that situation. I can only imagine, but that's hard. Yeah, super tough. And I think that's reiterated throughout this movie too. It's just like, what what wouldn't you do for your kids kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know? And, and that's kind of proven here because even earlier when she's talking to one of the counselors, it's like, I love this kid. Like, I don't even know this kid, you know, but I, I would do anything for it. And then we kind of see that on screen through this. And it's just like, yeah, I don't like blame her. Like, it's not right, you know, but it's just like, you got to do what you got to do. You got to take care. You know, you're going to, what wouldn't you do? That kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Next one on the list, uh, her on the phone with Trey, her son. Uh, this is another, this was a really heartbreaking scene for me. Really tough because if I put myself in Gio's shoes and if, um, if, you know, I only saw my daughters one for one hour, once a week. And one of them, called me and was like hey i want you to come pick me up i want to go home mm-hmm. and i literally couldn't do it i can't even fathom what that might feel like and repetitively repetitively throughout the film which i think is a really clever use of this kind of like uh stress inducer that we get is that her cell phone minutes and her her like credits mm-hmm. are are winding down so every time she answers a phone we hear this message of like, you have 91 cents left. Please 
pay your bill or please make a payment. So she answers the phone from Trey and that's what we hear first. And she uses a lot of that time and a lot of that money to play him a song on uh, you know, her, her stereo. And this is the second time that we hear this song that is a really sad song to help him get to sleep. And, mm-hmm. you know, ag- again, we're with Gia of like, what wouldn't you do? Like you, you're, you have to navigate how to deal with these situations because you can't just go see your kid. And this is the only way that she can comfort him is to say, just pretend that I'm there and I'll play you this song. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, this was among the, the most heartbreaking scenes. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Because I think everyone's initial instinct would be like, okay, I'm on my way. You know, like whenever you hear oh, something yeah. like that. So you see her almost have to like push that down and just be like, okay, what's going on? Like, tell me what's happening. Like, let's let's work through this kind of thing. It's like, oh, that'd be, just be so hard because you just know she, she's supposed to get in her car and go like bring them home and she can't. So watching her, like you said, navigate that while sacrificing her minutes, you know, throughout all this, it's just like, man, you're right. It's like one of the most heartbreaking scenes of this movie. There is a scene uh, after this that I, I wanted to ask you about because there's a couple scenes that we get where she is like in the forest or um, she is kind of like, not necessarily dreaming, but it is like these dreamlike mm-hmm. states that we enter, right? There's this moment where, she is in the doctor's office. She's in the bathroom. And right before this, we hear a video talking about like how imperative, imperative it is to not mess with like your child's umbilical cord once they're born and, and don't fiddle with it and it'll fall off on its own. She then proceeds to have some sort of vision or fear yeah. or something about pulling the umbilical cord out through her stomach. And it, being it, it looks like braided hair to me. How how did you interpret this scene? Because I think this was the one where I was just like, "Whoa! Like, where are we treading with this, and what are we trying to decipher?" Yeah, I couldn't tell exactly what it was. If it was meant to, like, be wood and almost like a branch of sorts, you know, or like oh, you yeah. said, like hair. Also, could it have been the umbilical cord on like? you know, day, whatever, when it's like dried up and ready to fall off. Like there, I couldn't tell exactly what it was supposed to be, but there was like the clamp on the end, but yeah, it's almost just kind of those intrusive thoughts of like, well, if I do this, maybe this will solve the problem or just like out of a curiosity, like I couldn't tell. Um, It's just, I think it was one of those great scenes. I was kind of left open to interpretation and just kind of experiencing that with Gia and yeah, this vision that she had. And that, um, that like really scary nature of feeling alone and, and physically being alone and having that thought because Gia is pretty consistent in her uh, telling of like, I don't want to let other people down. And so like, that is one of those moments where it's like, if this just happens or if, if I were to do this, maybe nobody gets let down and like, mm-hmm. it can just be over and we can just move on from this situation. So yeah, yeah, I thought that was a, a really interesting thing to put in there. I don't know if it works 100%, but I think it does add a really cool depth to the movie of, of Gia's like mindset and, and her frame of mind. Mm-hmm. Shortly after this, we get her having a confrontation with her friend Trina, um, really kind of at this Fast and Furious event that's going down <laughs> in the Bay Area. Um, and I was like, sick, our girls in the, in the franchise. Um we get a really nice tracking shot through this crowd, which I thought was 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 really impressive. 
and and worked well and kind of confronts about Gia considering um, giving up her child for an open adoption. And this is really the first time she's confronted with her best friend uh, who is actually like spiritual and religious and calls her out and, and tries to play that card. Um, and that scene in and of itself is, is, is hard to watch because we spent this much time with Gia and we're just like, do what's best. Like, you know, this is what is best. And then she's confronted by her friend. How did, how did this scene and this like confrontation work for you? Yeah. I mean, she'd been trying to avoid this friend for so long and it's like when she gets confronted with her, exactly what she was afraid would happen happens, you know, like she pulls kind of the religious side of it uh, into it and then starts calling her out of like, well, you're not even like worthy to be a mom and you know, we need to protect our kids. Yeah, Yeah. Just like, just super rough stuff to hear. So yeah, this was a, an intense scene without a doubt. And like you said, a great tracking shot, a great, you know, just kind of like, I think it was a one or just kind of like back and forth um, and just shot really well. And yeah, I don't know. Great scene. Great scene for sure. This leads to Gia smoking and I assume it's, 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 crack or whatever it's it is um it's not really specified but her sister deals it for a living i believe mm-hmm. and and gia lives with her sister hence why cps has has kind of taken her kids um and dude this this was tough because i didn't expect the movie to go in this direction i did not yeah. think we were going to go to like let's make bad decisions i i genuinely thought like we were shaping up to be like this is awesome Gia made the right decision. She broke the cyclical nature of the broken system. She gave her kid up for an open adoption. She's happy. She did it. And we're all, we're all satisfied. And that would have been a, a fine movie. But I, I do think that this scene um, brings it to a different level that I didn't know that it was going to go to. Cause I was mm-hmm. just like, don't like Gia, Gia, <laughs> come on. Like you got it. We got to stop this. You got it. You got to not do this. And soon after we kind of figure out, you know, she has a conversation with, Miss Miss Carmen, really important figure in this movie about, yeah. you know, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And, and I didn't, I, you know, I don't want to let people down and all this stuff. Um, and, and my heart just like dropped for her. And I was just like, you were so close to like doing what you wanted. And then you, you went back. And again, it's like, it's another one of those things where this movie doesn't do the work for you necessarily, because at one point we're just kind of in this class with Gia. Mm-hmm. And then it's in there where they talk about like, all these people here are addicts, you know, and that's like, that's not a thing that you stop being. It's just a thing that you like work through and like, Oh, okay. Like I wasn't super aware that that was like a thing that Gia was dealing with. And then, so when this shot happens later on, it's like, Oh, okay. This makes a lot more sense now. Um, it is, it's this weird mix of being like a horrifying shot, but also a beautiful shot yep, because yep we don't actually see her smoke anything. Like we see the pipe, we see it like kind of start to happen. Then like we, the camera takes us to the left and it's like taking us through what her feelings are, like her literal emotions and feelings, because we see her feet kind of like in the forest and stuff. It's like, Oh, this is like her escape. This is what Mm -hmm. she's doing right now. And she's just like going, she's going away basically. And I thought it was just like, it was such a cool shot to see, obviously like a, a super sad and heartbreaking thing that's going on but just displayed in such an interesting way and the the filmmaking of the movie absolutely lends itself to this type of a moment where it mm-hmm. is so close it is so intimate it is so focused on um yeah like the structure of the shot 
that looks so gorgeous and and tells a story in and of itself. Uh, this this is kind of like the the beginning of the end, really like the final fifteen or twenty minutes of the movie. Um, next we see Gia's water break. She runs out of cell phone minutes while trying to call someone to take her to the hospital. Um, luckily, she has uh, her her friend take her to the hospital and is able to get there. And really, we go through her obviously her giving birth and then her choosing an op- an open adoptions maybe <laughs> i don't know i think that's something that that is worth kind of talking about here in a second but having the family come in that she was considering for an open adoption and having them hold her child and and do you know very which i think is is a wonderful thing that this movie did it, it everything it did was really authentic there's two specific moments this this mom of this family does like skin to skin contact with this new baby. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I was in the hospital doing that. Like my, my with my child. Um, and then Gia is on her way to like her final court hearing the final few minutes of the movie. And she starts like leaking through her shirt and she asks for a napkin. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh shit. Like that is so real. and so authentic. And these little moments that really make this feel more intimate and more real. Um, but I want to know, did, did she decide to do an open adoption or what do you, what do you think? I think, I think she did. I think kind of realized that this was probably the best option overall. Like, you know, still tough without a doubt, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think, you know, even just trying to balance time with her two kids her two previous children and the idea of bringing in a third one and having to handle that just with everything else that's going on. And I feel like a lot of the stories that we heard earlier, like from some of her friends about, you know, CPS and stuff, I feel like that really kind of like stayed with her. You know, it's like, well, what's the best thing for my kid? And this yeah. is probably what it is. So I'm maybe it's naive of me, but I'm choosing to believe that she was like, she made this decision um, on her own. She's like, this is the best thing to do. I agree with you. I believe that she did as well. And I don't think she would have invited that family in unless she mm-hmm. was pretty close to making that decision. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's re- it's revealed in this scene. She's only 24, and that is mm-hmm. super wild. Uh, and then we, we do get this final kind of court hearing where she tells the judge, like, I am requesting more frequent and longer and unsupervised visits with my children um, that are currently in CPS. We don't get a resolution on that either, which I again is a smart move on this movie's part to to leave things up in the air that we hope the best for Gia, and um, but maybe expect the worst and and hope that she can be the the link that breaks this cyclical chain and and system. Uh, I think overall a really powerful movie and a really yeah. a, a movie that will stay with me. Where at the end of the year, when I look back on my twenty twenty three rankings, I will probably move it up because. Yeah. I will remember certain parts and be like that. That was just so special or that was made so well compared to, a, you know, maybe a lot of other things that are out there. Uh, I think my true cinema moment is kind of a, a, a tie between two things. One of them is on the list being on the phone with Trey. I mentioned mm-hmm. really heartbreaking, really tough to watch handled exceptionally well in this scene. Um, the other one you kind of mentioned a little bit is when we are hearing and Gia is listening to, these other stories of people mm. that she had just taken photos of. Yeah. And a couple of them are, are these guys, these really tough looking guys 
that basically say like, I look tough, but I'm broken on the inside and, mm-hmm. and moving from house to house to house that broke me. And that's a path I can never get off of. And it, and it, it, it shaped who I am right now to this day. Um, and I just love that that is so interwoven to Gia's path and her, her curiosity of trying to understand more about how to make the right decision and how to make the best decision for her new child and, and realize yeah. it's never too late to, to choose the right thing. So I think that is, it is a subtle moment, but it is a, a powerful one. Oh yeah. Super powerful moment. I mean, we've talked about therapy and things like that on here and it's just amazing how much of your childhood yeah. is just going to like set the path for the rest of your life. And Wild. these stories really just kind of hit that home. It's like, Oh yeah, I, I changed in that moment and I will never be able to go back. It's like, that's, that's crazy to hear, but it's so true. Um, my moment is also not on the list, but it's when she meets the family for the first time at the restaurant. Okay. And specifically when she's sitting with the daughter in the booth Mm. and they're kind of talking about like playing basketball and all that kind of stuff. It's like, Oh yeah, I was going to go to this college. And she's like, well, what happened? You know? And, it's just the phrase that she used where she's just like, you know, the, the daughter was like, you know, you can still go, you could do whatever. Then G responds with something on the lines of like, I got new dreams. Yeah. And I just, I really love that. Cause it's like, yeah, I feel like, again, like you're the parent out of the two of us here, but you know, it's just like obvious that when someone comes into your life like that, everything changes, you know, it's like your dreams, your goals, your whatever has, has to change. And it was so interesting that that's how she chose to phrase, like, I had a kid, you know, it's just like, I got new dreams. I'm like, man, that's a really powerful way to say this, you know, rather than just like, I was 16 and I got pregnant, you know, whatever, you know, that kind of thing. She's like, I got new dreams. And that just really hit me. I thought it was a beautiful scene. Um, Just another one of those moments where it's like a line of dialogue is something I'm going to remember from this movie. It's like, fuck, man, that's a, that was powerful. And that line of dialogue as well really speaks to Gia's struggle to get out of this system of like, yeah. that is one of her dreams is, is to, to put the best foot forward for her, her kids and herself and to, to fix this and to figure it out. And it is um, a really great juxtaposition to like young and uh, part of a gr- part of a good family that lives in a different part of town that is, you know, um, has the, opportunity to look for an open adoption and bring someone into mm-hmm. their family and, you know, eat at a buffet and these other things that she doesn't have and, and really kind of puts them side by side. Um, that's a, that's a really, really good pick. Uh, okay. We only have one a one act that we're going to do. Uh, we normally do two. So usually do two. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a directorial debut. We've covered directorial debuts for a one acts. I think like at least two or three times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now that we're over 100 episodes, I'm sure that it's at least two or three times. But, uh, you know, go back, listen to some of those episodes and seek out other directorial debuts under the A24 banner. They exist. They're out there and they're excellent. The one that we're going to tackle right now is movies about motherhood. Of course, this is a movie about motherhood as much as it is, you know, a coming of age story. Here's the short list that I've got here. Mama Mia, Dumbo, Stepmom, Bad Moms, Brave, Ladybird. Freaky Friday, Tolly, Room, Mermaids, Serial Mom, Mommy Dearest, Away We Go, Steel Magnolias, The Lost Daughter, Terms of Endearment, Mother, the Darren Aronofsky fucking horror flick, 
Exclamation uh, point. Mother. <laughs> exclamation point. Hereditary and Juno. Uh, I love that you put The Lost Daughter on here. Shout out Maggie Gyllenhaal. You love to see yeah. it. Also, that movie, like, I, I think is really underrated. I think that's a great movie. So it's not my pick, but I think it's a great movie. Yeah, it's um, so good. I don't, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know half of these movies. And I feel like you made some of them up just based on the titles. We'll never know. We'll I never get know. <laughs> you. You could have. It's totally possible. Um, I'm not picking Mother. That's for sure. Do you know what you're picking? I do. I'm oh, going go off scripts. Go off, off script. A movie we've covered, a movie I love, and another movie that has a line of dialogue I'll never forget. <laughs> 20th Century Women. Um, I love that movie so much. And there's a line in there when she says, like, you get to see my kid in a way I'll never get to see him. Um, just like out in the world and stuff. And it's like, oh yeah, that's, that's true. When you're a parent, you can only see your kids a certain way, you know, as, as a parent and you'll never get to see them just as a person out on their own. It's just impossible to do. And that line of dialogue is another one. It's like, man, that's, that's just so true. That line of dialogue is too heartbreaking for me. That's, that's, it's too tough because I'm like a month away from my oldest going into kindergarten, being away from me all day for the very first time. My youngest is going into a preschool and that'll be her first time going and doing school things and having a life outside of, of my four walls. So I don't plan to rewatch 20th century women anytime (laughs) in the next 16 years is is what I'm thinking here. That'll just, just decimate me. Um, look, I'm going to go with a fun pick here. I'm going with Freaky Friday. Yeah. Uh, shout out Freaky Friday. I grew up on this movie. I watched it just constantly. Uh, I was definitely of the age where I was like, Lindsay Lohan, super hot, uh, would, would just kill to, to have her as my crush in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, the brother is funny. I remember the walrus bit from this movie. That's a great bit mm-hmm. um, where he sticks, chopsticks up his nose. And, you know. Mother, daughter, they figure out, they, 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 they figure out how to do it, how to have a relationship, how to be friends. And it's a funny movie. I like, you know what? Great pick. Jamie Lee Curtis. Also a great crush. You know, if you want that proven (laughs) right, either watch true lies or Christmas with the cranks, you know, you'll (laughs) have it like certified. So, uh, a queen, we love Jamie Curtis. And maybe getting a sequel. I've heard both of them are on board for a sequel. Yeah. I think that'd be sweet. I would love to see that. I'd be curious to see what they would do with it. But yeah, you know, Lilo wants her comeback and now's the time. Yeah. Loki might like fire that up tonight. I might, I might, I might have to watch that. Cause I remember the song in that movie, just absolutely being a heater at the end, just being mm-hmm. like, Oh my God. And watching JLC just go ham on the, on the guitar. Oh yeah. Shredding. Inc- incredible stuff. Really? Uh, okay. A 24 ranking for earth mama. I haven't really thought of mine and yeah. this is tough. Cause it's a, it's a good movie. It is a, it's a very strong movie, but it also is so quaint and, and personal and intimate that it does lack kind of that, that extra edge that really calls to me in movies mm-hmm. where it just like really sticks to me or it's more my energy or my speed. Um, but I think it's really good. I, I'd, I'd probably give this like a B plus 24. I think it's underrated in the A24 catalog already. Uh, which might might be a hot take or not. I think it's a strong directorial debut. I think it's a, a really powerful and well-displayed, sensitive topic and subject and themes. Uh, yeah. And it is a really important movie for parents to watch, I think. I think it, I think it really shares, like, uh, 
you know, the lengths you'd go for the, for your kid and also is a great statement of like having that ability to, to, to break cycles. Um, even if it isn't this detrimental, um, you know, person of color, um, cycle that Gia is, is in mm-hmm. and young mother cycle. I think it does give a lot of leeway to, to thinking about that. Yeah. No, I think, uh, let's make that too. So I'm also going with a B plus 24 and this, everything you said is super accurate. And again, it's the kind of thing where come January next year and I'm looking back on the list, like I could see this maybe going up to an A minus, you know, it's just, it's the kind of movie that is beautiful and I would recommend it to anybody. I just, I don't know when I'm going to throw it back on. Um, you know what I mean? Like, and it's not out of like a dislike or anything. It's just like, man, I feel like I experienced it. I loved it. It was great. I don't know when I'm going to rewatch it immediately, but it's, it's something I would tell everybody to watch. Cause I think it's just a, it's a really important story. So um, yeah, I'm going to go with a B plus 24. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to see what director Savannah leaf does next. Mm-hmm. I think it's really promising uh, whatever story she wants to tell and however she's going to do that. I, I hope it's with a 24 and I hope they, they see that promise in her and I'm sure yeah. that they do. Um, much like you, I don't know when I'll revisit it, but I think it is a definite recommend on my part. If you're looking for something, um, especially in the 2023 that we're living in with the IP dominated culture, I think it's an incredible flick to, Mm -hmm. um, to watch, to consume and to recommend to other people and say like, Hey, a little known movie. Yeah. You know, a 24, but this, this is, this is not, um, you know, Barbie, this is not the Meg two. This is something smaller, something more intimate and something a little bit more powerful than any of those could offer. Yeah. No, I think it's a, a great summation of this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we both really enjoyed this. We would love to know what you guys thought about earth mama. Hopefully you've checked it out. If not, again, a recommend from both of us, uh, let us know what you think. We are on Twitter and Instagram at 24 minutes of a 24. Um, don't forget to subscribe next week. We're going to be talking about Medusa deluxe. Like we talked about at the opening yes. and it's, it looks just like love- a, I just love that title. Medusa yeah. Deluxe oh, it's is a great. fire title. And it looks kind of like a John Waters murder mystery. Like what yes. more could you possibly want? So I think it's going to be super fun. Do you it's know how, be... do you know how long Medusa Deluxe is? I'm just curious, like from a runtime, I'm just curious. I don't. Um, let's see. Uh, okay. It looks out. like it is 101 minutes, which is, that's pretty good. It's pretty solid. Yeah. Um, I'll take it. Yeah. And actually, yeah, that's like just four minutes longer than the movie we were talking about tonight. So that's not bad at all. Wow. Okay, cool. And again, um, like a pretty unknown cast, at least from my perspective of what I'm seeing here on IMDb, which is really mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah, no, I think this is going to be fun. Uh, coming to VOD on the 11th, uh, mm-hmm. I believe when this episode is dropping so we can rent it or watch it also in select theaters. So check it out so you can listen to us talk about it and you can listen to us talk about it on YouTube. You can watch yeah. us talk about it. You could have the audio and video all in, all in one. Um, subscribe there, hit the bell, all that kind of stuff. And if you have any interest in becoming a patron and listening to us talk about movies that aren't a 24, there's definitely a place that you could go do that. We just finished up our, well, I mean, in a week we will have finished up our Disney rides movies, which was kind of fun. That was um, a ride in and of itself. I, it, I was it surprised. It really was. That was uh, an up and down roller coaster some for really sure. Some really low lows and some high highs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then in anticipation of the creator, which we are both super excited so about. Excited. We are going to be covering some uh, artificial intelligence movies 
starting out with uh, Mr. Spielberg's movie himself, uh, AI. So, yeah, if Let you want to hear us talk about it. Oh, yeah, what's up? Let's clarify. These are movies about artificial intelligence, not written by artificial intelligence. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Very important. <laughs> yeah. Although those, would, I'm sure, would be absolutely bonkers. So, um, yeah, those ones are 24 minutes exactly. Uh, otherwise, we get a punishment. It's a lot of fun. I imagine it's fun to listen to. I don't know that it's fun for us when we get the punishments, <laughs> but uh, they, they're kind of fun episodes. But, yeah, if you want to become a patron and support the pod, we would super appreciate that. So, but either way, thanks so much for listening and for your support. I am Ben Lawhorn. And I am Ethan Simi. It's spring break forever, bitches. Bye.